0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome one and all, this is Robert Rogers. I'm the founder of Parkinson's Recovery in 2004. The whole mission of Parkinson's Recovery is to be able to identify support resources to individuals who are looking for ways to reverse their symptoms as well as their family members. We've been documenting stories of healthcare practitioners who have incredible ideas as well as stories from individuals who currently are diagnosed with Parkinson's disease who talk about what they are doing and what they are discovering that makes a huge difference in being able to see a sustained relief from whatever symptoms might be experienced. My guest today is uh, Annie Hopper. And Annie Hopper has a global mission, much like Parkinson's recovery. She basically is dedicated to taking the mystery out of mysterious illnesses. And if there's any mysterious illness out there, it happens to be individuals who are diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Annie explains how brain trauma can be at the very root of chronic illnesses and disease. So we're not just talking about Parkinson's here, we're talking about many, many, many different types of diseases and illnesses. Annie Hopper empowers people with the tools that they need to, and get this everybody, rewire their brain, transform their health and reclaim their lives. I heard about Annie Hopper from an individual who was in my Jumpstart to Recovery course who has been following the instructions in her DVDs and in her recovery program with great success. And I have to say that I was a bit hounded by my class participant to have Annie uh, as a guest on the radio show. So I am pleased and honored and delighted to basically say that today we actually are able to talk with Annie about her program and her discoveries. Annie, thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on the radio show today.
0: Thank you, Robert. Uh, Thank you for having me as a guest. It's my pleasure to be here with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, well, it's a long uh, it's a long story, my story of uh, illness and recovery. But I'll, I'll tell you what happened. Um, first of all, I am the founder of a program called the Dynamic Neural Retraining System, which is a neuroplasticity-based uh, program that instructs people on how to rewire uh, specific uh, areas of the brain, the limbic system. And I'll go into what the limbic system is in a minute. But I'll tell you about how I got there. So I was working in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, as uh, a counselor at the time. And um, interestingly enough, my office was located right next door to the janitor supply room where they held all the cleaning chemicals for the building. And what I noticed is I started to become sick um, after about a few months. And, And the way that that started was just... You know, headaches and kind of nauseous feeling and muscle and joint pain and uh, inflammation. And what I also noticed is my sense of smell was really heightening. And um, I began to become really sensitive to chemical products around me like uh, deodorizers and perfumes and colognes and such um, so that was the start of illness for me um, and what happened is I went to all kinds of doctors and specialists and uh, people both in the mainstream medical system and outside of the mainstream medical system and um, I just couldn't find the assistance that I needed and some treatments helped short term but overall uh, my condition just continued to get worse. So. Um, What happened is that just more and more I became more sensitive to more and more chemicals around me. I began to get more symptoms like headaches and migraines and muscle twitching and digestive issues and motor function problems and all kinds of really mysterious uh, symptoms. Uh, then I started to develop chronic pain, and I also um, I would actually have seizures. If I went outside and someone was doing their laundry, um, I would actually have kind of a convulsive seizure, seizure-like reactions to someone's um, uh, fabric softeners that might be coming out of their dryer vents. So it became literally impossible for me to even live in my own community in a in a in a, a mobile way. Um, I had to wear a mask anywhere that I went, and then um, it's it started to get even worse. You know, when I thought that things couldn't get worse, they did, and I developed more sensitivities to other things and. Uh, developed chronic pain and um, an inflammatory response that just wouldn't go away. And I actually ended up having to leave my home because I was becoming sensitive to just things in my home. And uh, I actually became homeless, and not because I didn't have any money, but because I, I needed to find some place where my body wasn't reacting to everything around me. So um, what I did was, even prior to becoming ill, not prior to becoming ill, but prior to actually becoming homeless, I should say, I knew there was something wrong with my brain. I knew that it was a brain trauma, and um, but when I went to the doctors, the doctors would say, "Well, you have toxic overload. I get, you know, you have heavy metals in your system, and this is causing a toxic overload syndrome. And what you have now is chemical sensitivities, and you need to be very careful about you know where you go and what you can do, and avoid everything so that you can so that you're no longer reacting." And I thought, well, that's interesting. And it actually made a lot of sense. And I became environmentally aware as a result of that because I thought, wow, there is a lot of awful stuff in the products that we use every day. So I did uh, change everything to environmental products um, in in that uh, process. However, I continued to get sick. So all the detox in the world didn't help. All the chelation in the world didn't help. All of the treatments that I did did not help. And yet, you know, I should have been clean as a whistle at this point, but there was something going on within my brain that was still affecting my body. And the way that I discovered that was that I I could notice, I was very skilled at being a curious observer of self, like, uh, you know, what what are my thought patterns? What are my emotional patterns? What are my behavioral patterns? How is my body responding? And what I noticed was that... um, it was almost as if there was a part of my brain that wasn't functioning properly, that it just kept going back to trauma-related thoughts or trauma-related emotions. And um, I became curious, what part of the brain was re- responsible for sense of smell? Because that was the first thing that I noticed was this really heightened, acute sense of smell where I could smell any kind of toxin or chemical from two blocks away. So I started to research the brain. What was that area of the brain that was r- responsible for sense of smell? And it was the limbic system. So then I began to research the limbic system. You know, How is the limbic system uh, related in all of these mysterious and chronic illnesses that seem to have really common ground like chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia and depression and post-traumatic stress disorder? So I found this common element, which was a dysfunction or impairment or misfiring in uh, structures of the limbic system. So that's how I I came to really understanding that it was about the brain because uh, it was really a process of deductive reasoning. Nothing else was working, so it must be my brain. Uh, Plus, I was so cognitively impaired. It was interesting. When I'd have exposures, um, I would lose my ability to actually speak. So I could no longer formulate sentences or um, think of words. I had a really hard time word finding. And that was really... Really awful for me at the time because I was uh, in the uh, helping field, so it was really important for me to be able to describe and communicate with my clients. Uh, I also wrote a newspaper column at the time called Emotional Rescue. I was also a guest speaker on talk radio, so it was really important for me to be able to formulate speech and formulate thoughts in a really great way. So to not have cognitive function anymore, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that this was somehow a brain trauma-related uh, condition and that if I could find the key and unlock my brain, that that might be the way out.
1: So you mentioned something about the Olympic system. Now, some people have heard about that and others have not. Can you say more about what in the world is this limbic system and what does it do?
0: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So the limbic system, is it, it's in the uh, midbrain and it includes structures like the hypothalamus, the hippocampus, the amygdala, the cingulate cortex, and the basal gang- ganglia, which is often, you know, effect, uh, um, often involved with Parkinson's, right? And uh, mm-hmm. a decrease in dopamine production. So basically, if I go over those structures, so the hypothalamus is like our internal chemist that releases neurotransmitters and hormones all the time to, uh, in response to whatever we're going through at that moment in time. The hippocampus is the area of the brain that's responsible for the formation of new memories and for storage of information. And the amygdala is actually the brain's fear center. And uh, the cingulate cortex is, you know, uh, the part of the brain where emotion and um, pain meet. And it's also the area of the brain that is related to where we focus our attention at any given time. And, of course, the basal ganglia is about balance and uh, the release of dopamine. So we're looking at all of those areas of the brain that are uh, part of the limbic system, and the limbic system is really known as the feeling and reacting part of the brain, and it's responsible for the formation of memories, and it's constantly determining our level of safety. It assigns emotional significance to everything that we see, we smell, we hear, we taste, and it's also known as the seat of emotional intelligence. Uh, But most importantly, it's the brain's anxiety switch. So when things are going wrong in the limbic system, we can actually be pushed into a chronic unconscious state uh, or a chronic flight or flight state, which can affect all systems of the body. So it can affect the immune system, the endocrine system, and the autonomic nervous system. So I I hope that gives you a, a little bit of an overview of the limbic system.
1: Well, it certainly does. Well, okay, so what would be the causes of a dysfunction in this limbic system?
0: Ah, yeah, that's a really, really good question. And um, there are many forms of uh, trauma that can affect the limbic system. So one thing we know for sure that affects the limbic system is uh, chemical exposure or chemical trauma, uh, such as what I had with cleaning chemicals in the uh, uh, janitor supply room next door to my office. Uh, Mold toxicity can affect the limbic system. Any kind of infections can affect the limbic system. Inflammation. or psychological and emotional trauma can also affect those um, fear mechanisms in the brain. Uh, Any kind of accumulated stress can affect the limbic system and also physical trauma, so any kind of physical trauma. So often we hear about uh, people that have um, had surgeries or something and they've reacted to the anesthetic and then they start having um, limbic system issues after that, or it could be a head injury or a neck injury, anything of that sort.
1: Many people with Parkinson's symptoms report to me that they have issues with anxiety attacks. Is mm. that an indication of a dysfunction of the limbic system?
0: Yes, absolutely. Anxiety is highly related, uh, uh, correlated to uh, problems in the limbic system of the brain and it makes sense because if those threatened protective mechanisms in the brain are not functioning properly, then uh, you can imagine that the fear centers are firing more rapidly, more f- more frequently and with less stimuli. So that in itself can create anxiety.
1: So, when the Olympic system
0: has a dysfunction, how does that affect the body? Well, yeah, it's really interesting. You can imagine if you're in a chronic flight or flight response, how that that might affect every system of your body. And I kind of think of it like uh, running away from a tiger. You know, if you're being chased from a tiger, <clears throat> All of your body's resources are, are about getting away, about running away. So there's no time for things like digestion or absorption of uh, nutrients. There's no time for detoxification. You know, your your primary focus is to get away from the tiger. So it can affect all kinds of systems of the body. Again, your immune system doesn't work as functionally anymore. Your endocrine system is uh, affected because you're releasing stress hormones all the time. And, uh, of course, motor function can be impaired as well because of a depletion of energy in uh, in the body uh, because of being in chronic fight-or-flight all the time. We've had people that have had symptoms across the board from cardiac symptoms to Uh, affecting their lungs to uh, blood pressure, um, heart rate, uh, everything across the board. A lot of people with food sensitivities, gastrointestinal problems, irritable bowel syndrome, um, sensitivities uh, to just about anything, Um, light and sound sensitivities as well. Any kind of sensory perception sensitivity could be related with limbic system dysfunction as well. Many
1: Parkinson's researchers are currently focused on the digestive system as a factor that's implicated in creating and aggravating the symptoms. It sounds like what you're then arguing is that one of the reasons that the digestive system may not be functioning is the body is spending a lot of time in this flight kind of response, flight freeze kind of response. Would that be a fair summary?
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. In fact, um, you know the gastrointestinal system or, or the gut the gut is directly related to the limbic system and um you know it's interesting uh how how that works and you know what I would say is that when we 're in a chronic flight or flight response we 're releasing a lot of stress related hormones like adrenaline and cortisol and norepinephrine, and those are really going to affect the ability of the body of our gut to digest appropriately because it's taking it's taking um, cues from the nervous system about our ability to relax or be safe in the moment and you can imagine that if our We're constantly being sent these stress hormones. The body is taking that. The body is reading that. The gut is reading that as a sign that we are not safe in that moment. So rest and regeneration of tissues does not happen in that moment, and absorption absorption of nutrients does not happen as well. So it's not until we actually shut off that stress mechanism and go into a state of uh, repair that we can start creating uh hormones that will allow us to rest and digest in an appropriate fashion This is Robert
1: Rogers founder of Parkinson's Recovery you're listening to my interview with Annie Hopper So Annie a lot of people are listening to your presentation and they're thinking wow I really resonate with all of this uh the flight the freeze the fact that I've got digestive issues the fact that I seem to be anxious all the time Well, how can such a person
0: rewire
1: their brain?
0: Well, um, well. first of all, I would direct them to our website and to, to have a look at um, the information on the, our website at retrainingthebrain.com and that will give them a lot, uh, an overview of what we do. But really, um, about rewiring the brain, there are five different um, pillars to recovery that we have with the program. And the first one is to really recognize what limbic system impairment looks like. So how can you tell if you're in limbic system impairment? So what does the world look like if you have limbic system impairment? What is that lens that you're seeing the world through? So how is it affecting your thought processes? How is it affecting your emotional uh, state? And how is it affecting your physical body? So we become really, really curious about uh, the patterns, the thought patterns, emotional patterns, behavioral patterns, and physical patterns that are related to limbic system impairment. And then we talk about being able to step into uh, what we call a curious observer of self. So we want to, um, from a bird's eye view, look at all of these different symptoms in a way where we're not attached to it, but we can, in a detached way, observe when those patterns are happening, and then we introduce ways that we can actually change those patterns, and that's the key to rewiring uh, the brain, is finding out what patterns the brain is actually firing in and then blocking those patterns of firing and creating new neural pathways. So we have very specific tools that we give people uh, or teach people in order to create those new neural pathways that will not fire um, those threat mechanisms in the brain constantly. So we're building new neural pathways that lead to optimal health basically. So that second uh, pillar again is really identifying and interrupting patterns that are associated with limbic system impairment. And the third part of the, the, the our third pillar for recovery is doing the actual step-by-step process that we show people. And that includes a lot of different um, modalities that are really targeted in um, changing or regulating skills, including attention focusing, attention distraction, cognitive reappraisal, emotional distancing, and emotion regulation. And we do that in a number of ways through... Um, through speech, through movement, through uh, cognitive uh, restructuring, through mindfulness, um, through mindfulness, through n- uh, something called neuro-linguistic programming, and uh, we also teach you how to incrementally train or strengthen those new pathways in the brain, and how, also how to modify any kind of repetitive behaviors that might be reinforcing um, the actual dysfunction in the brain. So that's, that's the third pillar is just really understanding how to do the, uh, the steps that we actually show people how to do, like the, that incremental neural rehabilitation limbic system steps. It's a, a series of exercise exercises that we teach people to do that they can actually do from the comfort of their own home. Um, and the fourth part of that is looking at incremental training. So how do we strengthen those alternative neural circuits so that they be- can become the primary circuit that the brain takes? So we teach people how to incrementally train depending on what their situation is. So it will be very different for each person. Um, and what we, we have available are, are certified coaches that work with our program uh, that work individually with people so that they can really tailor the program to that person's specific needs at that time. And the fifth part of the pillar of recovery is interesting. It's about really elevating your emotional state as much as you can throughout the day. Because when we um, elevate our emotional state. Well, Elevating our emotional state actually trains the brain to decrease firing of the threat and protective mechanisms, and it changes the neurochemical cocktail that's associated with the flight or flight response. So that actually assists in strengthening alternative neural circuitry and moves the brain and body from a state of survival into a state of growth and repair. So again, that fifth pillar is about elevating the emotional state, but It's a combination of all of these pillars Um, when done correctly and when implemented in the right way, it actually acts back on the limbic system structures of the brain, so the neural circuits in the brain, and uh, we are able to, through our own self-awareness, go in and uh, change the structure and function of our brain.
1: Let me now be clear about the exact steps I need to take if I need to rewire my brain. So the first thing I need to do is to go on to your website, and that's
0: wiredforhealing.com. Is that right? No, actually, that's the website for my book, but the website for our actual program is retrainingthebrain.com. So that would be spelled
1: R-E-T-R-A i n i n g t h e b r a i n dot com dot c o m so i go to that website and mm-hmm. um what i could do is look at the various options that are available but let's say i decide well i'm gonna order the d v d and so i receive the d v. d in the email or the snail mail. And then so I look at some of the lessons and I decide I'm going to take tomorrow to be able to work on this. And then so I work on it for uh, four or five days and then I'm good to go. That's all I need to do. So we're talking about a week program.
0: Yeah, well, that's interesting. It's a really good question, and thank you for bringing that up. Uh, it's actually a six-month rehabilitation program. So we actually tell participants that this is a minimum of of a six-month commitment in your life, and they need to practice for at least an hour a day. So uh, we have we offer the program in two different ways. We have in-person trainings where we accept only 20 people in various places throughout. North America and Europe and last year we're in Australia, next year we're going to Spain, so uh, I think we'll be in England next year as well, so we hold programs throughout North America and abroad where we only uh, accept 20 people in those programs. And. In that program, it's a five-day immersive experience in neuroplasticity boot camp and how to rewire the limbic system and exactly what you need to do in order to do that. Um, I would say that that's absolutely the gold standard in taking the program because um, you know the other version is a DVD version, which is great, but there's no way that we can replicate a live program through a DVD. So, Uh, So that's the gold standard is is attending the live program. So the live program is a five-day immersion, but again, people will have to practice for at least an hour a day for six months in order to effectively rewire the limbic system. Um, the second way that we offer the program is through the DVD and we have four different packages that we offer with the DVD program. The first one is the basic DVD program that comes with the DVD and the student manual. And the student manual is a, an exercise book that goes along with the 14 hour instructional DVD program. So throughout the DVD, there'll be areas where it'll say, okay, uh, pause for a minute, please turn to the exercise in your student manual about, uh, pathways of the past or how to recognize limbic system trauma so you go to exercises uh, in the student manual and then go back to the DVD so again that's a 14 hour instructional DVD and when the person has finished the DVD what we would recommend for people who are doing the at-home program is that they book at least one coaching session with one of our certified coaches so that they can have any questions that they may have about their particular situation answered as it relates to the program. And also our coaches can help them tailor-make the program to exactly fit their situation in that moment in time. Um, we also, so again, if with either version, the in-person program or they buy the DVD, uh, they're going to have to practice for a minimum of an hour a day for six months because we know that that's how long it takes for new neural pathways to be solidified in the brain. So it, like any kind of program, like an exercise program or any kind of exercise program, we have to train consistently in a very specific way to strengthen alternative neural pathways in the brain. Uh, Something else that we have available to our clients is an online private community forum. So people that have done the DVDs or they've um, attended one of the in-person programs, uh, they can join our private online community forum where they can post their successes and follow along with others that are doing the program, um, get to know other people that are doing the program, um, ask questions that they might have, Um, and just a general um, form of motivation and guidance and assistance with the program during that six-month retraining process.
1: Some people are listening to the seriousness of the commitment, and they may be thinking, okay, an hour a day, okay, I can do that Monday through Saturday, but I've got to take a break on Sunday. I mean, I can't do something like this absolutely every day. What would you say to them?
0: Well, that's a really good question. Well, I would say it takes a lot of energy to be sick. And it takes a lot of energy to have a lot of different coping mechanisms when we're sick. And I think the hour a day that you put into, I remember one of our clients actually, he recovered from chronic Lyme disease and uh, a young man in his 20s. And uh, Riley said, It doesn't take Olympic energy, but it takes Olympic commitment. But what I would say is the effort is well worth it because people are reclaiming their lives. So I don't know. You know, I've watched people, uh, I've witnessed on a a daily basis what other people would consider medical miracles. So I would say that your life is worth it and that... um, also, you know what happens? A lot of the times, is people will start to notice changes fairly quickly. Like even if they're subtle changes, they'll start noticing changes. So when you start noticing changes, that actually improves your motivation to actually do something because you can feel that something is changing. It's much like the woman that you met that that was uh, that had uh, positive experiences with the program, she's experiencing changes within her own body and her symptoms are decreasing. So she's highly motivated to practice because she knows that the program is working so no matter how long it takes for those uh shifts to start happening um just know that yeah i mean that's the commitment that you have to make and you know i think that when you keep the end goal in mind like you know this is about improving my quality of life and if i commit to this then there is a really good probability that my quality of life will improve at the end of this and i think that that's worth it yeah, I'm not really sure. What else? I don't know, Robert. That's a really good question. What would you say to people?
1: Well, my guess would be there's, uh, there's some self-sabotage there. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> deeply unconscious. <laughs> so you as a counselor would probably be able to address that much more effectively than myself. But my guess mm. is that uh, we all do that. And, of course, denial is big. Uh, and so part partly denial, partly it's also an issue of just... Uh, basically committing but only halfway and not mm. willing to do what's necessary to really reverse the symptoms. It's interesting you mentioned one individual uh, that basically was able to reverse the issues with the Lyme infection.
0: Uh, the mm.
1: symptoms of Lyme, as many listeners are well aware, are the same as the symptoms of Parkinson's. So many people who have a diagnosis of Parkinson's actually have Lyme disease. And many people uh, who have been working on healing their Lyme have been really frustrated because it's a really tough infection to be able to address. It sounds like you've got an approach that uh, might provide a wonderful option for people to pursue, especially if they know they've
0: got that Lyme infection. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no matter what the the diagnosis, whether that's uh, chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or chronic Lyme or um chronic pain or chemical sensitivities. I mean, sometimes it's not about the diagnosis. It's about the what happens to the brain because of that. So, you know, my understanding of Lyme disease is the bacteria actually, you know, we want to address the bacterial loads for sure. So, you know, once you've addressed the bacterial loads, if you're still not getting well, then there's something else happening. So I would suggest that now that it's, it's affected those fight-or-flight uh, responses in the brain, that the threat and protective mechanisms in the brain. So even though the initial um, trauma is no longer there, the brain is stuck in that trauma response. And that's where we can help. And that's where we see people with chronic Uh, Conditions actually start to recover because the stress mechanism is no longer uh, functioning improperly. We actually hit the reset button on that chronic stress response and the body goes from that state of survival into a state of growth and repair again. So um, I would say to people that have been diagnosed with Lyme, absolutely give this program a try because there's nothing that you have to lose and everything to gain.
1: Some people I've talked with when we begin to address the issue of trauma will say, well yeah I did have a really serious trauma when I was very young. Uh, both my parents died in an automobile accident but i'm I'm over it uh I've you know gotten through those issues and um and it no longer is an issue for me in my life. Uh, I have a good job, mm-hmm. I have a family et cetera et cetera. So what would you say to them?
0: Well, I mean, if they're still suffering from chronic illness then I would, if they are suffering from chronic illness, I would say that it's possible that that early childhood stress has activated those uh, fight or flight mechanisms in a way that left them susceptible to a, uh, a chronic stress response being activated on an ongoing basis. Um, you know, it's interesting, it's a really good question because I gotta, I really wanna talk about this. So for people that have had issues from their childhood i mean for many people that end up with chronic illness they've already gone to therapy they've resolved those issues they've gotten over them they've integrated the learning into their lives and they've moved on so i don't know that it's a, you know the actual trauma of childhood that causes limbic system dysfunction or impairment or leaves us susceptible to Further impairment as an adult, so what we call that is a perfect storm, so we might have somebody who has um, trauma from their childhood, and that was that was okay. you know they got through that, they did therapy on that they're completely resolved those issues they 're fine. then they had a mold exposure oh, okay, now the flight or flight mechanisms are being activated even more because they 've had this mold exposure, and then the next one the next um, trauma is. Oh, and then I moved into a new house where everything was new. And so they were in this airtight house where there was uh, volatile organic compounds off-gassing. So they've created, uh, they've had an additional chemical trauma on top of that. So usually it's a combination. And, And then maybe they're going through a really stressful time in their relationship or they're going through a divorce. So it's not any it, it might not be any one of those traumas that created limbic system dysfunction although it could be but more likely it's a combination of all of those traumas that have led to limbic system impairment where the limbic system just can no longer function in a regulatory way anymore in that fight-or-flight flight response it's like a swip, a switch that goes off in the brain it goes into a maladapted stress uh, maladapted firing pattern and becomes hypersensitive to all kinds uh, of things at at that point in time. Does that make sense?
1: It does indeed. It does indeed. And I think that's a nice summary of what many people report to me has been their own personal experience.
0: And I I, I also want to add in here about therapeutic um, counseling when you have limbic system impairment. So traditionally, if we look at therapeutic uh, counseling, a lot of times, uh, you know, your therapist may take you into the past to talk about the past trauma to try to resolve it. But that's actually, we found that that's really counterproductive when someone's in limbic system impairment because they're already in trauma. The brain is actually stuck in a trauma response. So taking them back into the past to talk about past trauma is actually ineffective. So our, our focus with the program is really future focused. We don't go into the past at all. We don't talk about Trauma. We don't even we don't even go there at all. We talk about how specifically to rewire the threat mechanisms in your brain so that your body can move from a state of survival into a state of growth and repair again. Which is really, you know, it's interesting. It's it's a different paradigm uh, than uh, than uh, typical counseling. And you know, it's it's also interesting because we we look at pain in a different way as well. You know, we we've been taught, or I was taught. I was taught that pain was my body's way of saying that something was wrong, that I needed to ta- pay attention to that. But what I didn't know back then is that the limbic system is actually responsible for coding pain and for pain um m- messages that are being sent to the body so if the limbic system actually isn't working functionally i could be getting sent pain messages that aren't actually accurate so we can't what that means is that we can no longer use the body symptoms as the conveyor of truth We have to look at that through a different lens and go, oh, hang on a second. If if the symptom is because of limbic system impairment, then how about focusing on rewiring the brain rather than looking at how do I resolve this symptom? So our approach is completely different in that respect. We're not actually symptom-focused. Our focus is totally, entirely about rewiring brain function. You have
1: all of these live events that are scheduled. I'm guessing that, let's say, more than 100 people have probably participated in your programs?
0: Oh, over 1,000. Over a thou- uh, I mean, we have over 1,000 people that have attended the in-person program, and thousands of people have bought DVDs, and we sell them in eight different languages, and we sold DVDs in 52 countries. Right. <laughs> and so...
1: What in the world motivated you to
0: be the founder of the Dynamic Neural Retraining Program? Because as soon as I discovered a way to change the limbic system in my own brain, which led to my own recovery, I made a promise to myself when I was sick, I thought, if and when I find the solution to this, I will dedicate the rest of my life to helping other people who suffer. And you know i just i know what the suffering is like i know um i know the pain that is involved with having a chronic illness where you feel like you know you're invisible to the rest of society and you feel you know i felt like i was dying and um i thought if 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 i find a way out then i will share that with the rest of the rest of the world and that's that's what we do and i have an an amazing team of people now that are helping us move this um uh, approach, this neuroplasticity approach into the world in a really big way. We have some uh, studies coming up at the University of Calgary. The University of Calgary in Canada and the University of Alberta are collaborating on a study to, uh, it'll be a, um, an independent study done by the university to test the effectiveness of the dynamic neural retraining system on uh, patients with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and chemical sensitivities. Um, we also have some uh, research starting at McGill University in Hamilton. I've been invited to speak at the Institute for Functional Medicine conference next June in um, Los Angeles, and. June 2017. So it's just gaining traction right now, even though, actually, actually, I shouldn't say it's been gaining traction all along, but I've been teaching the program since 2008. But now more and more doctors are recognizing the program, and recognizing the program, I'm recognizing that their patients are actually getting better. So we're getting more and more doctor's referrals to the program and people that are taking the program and recover, and they tell their friends and they tell their friends and so on and so on. So, I mean, it feels really good to be on my end when I, when I just look at people. I look at the stories that are coming back, and I'm just, A, so incredibly grateful, so grateful for my own recovery, and also so grateful that I can help other people. Um, I don't think there's a better job in the world. I couldn't imagine doing anything else, and uh, it's just such a gift to be able to share that message with the world.
1: Well, I'm glad you decided to do that, I must say. (laughs) Now, you've touched on a lot of different people uh, who are certainly uh, helped by your program. Can you summarize the people and in other words who can your program help?
0: Well I mean you know at in the beginning of the when, I, when we first designed the program I was targeting you know people that I I knew were suffering from the same kind of conditions that I had like uh, chemical sensitivities and fibromyalgia and electric hypersensitivity syndrome and inflammation and chronic pain uh, and depression but now we've realized that it helps with so many more people than that and uh, you know, just to give you uh, a sense of what that is, well, now we're finding out that it's helping people people with Parkinson's. We didn't know. So what's happening is that people that are taking the program are coming back to us and saying, oh, you know, I started taking the pres- the program because of anxiety, but what I've noticed is that I don't have irritable bowel syndrome anymore, and I don't have food sensitivities anymore, and I don't have, um, you know, chronic pain anymore. So we're we're recognizing that it's we're actually getting at the root of a lot of mysterious and chronic illnesses, which is this maladapted chronic stress response that's been triggered in the brain through some form of trauma. So, you know, if you go to our website, we've got all kinds of conditions listed from adrenal fatigue to allergies, anxiety, um, asthma, chronic pain, depression. Um, fibromyalgia, headaches, heavy metal toxicity, uh, Lyme disease, mold toxicity, panic attacks, PTSD, uh, any kind of skin conditions. Um, uh, people have, uh, some people have issues with their heart. They have arrhythmia or they have body temperature regulation problems. So they they sweat a lot, they're really hot, or they're really cold. Um, yeah, eating disorders, uh, latent infections, mast cell activation, uh, even tinnitus, ringing in the ear, or any kind of sensitivity to uh, sensory stimulation, so um, heightened sense of smell or taste or sensitivities to light or to sound or touch. Um, yeah, it's just so much bigger than than I guess what I ever thought to begin with, but it makes it makes complete sense to me that it would help.
1: It makes perfectly logical sense to me, Annie Hopper. Now <laughs> If a person then uh, has been suffering with, let's say, chronic pain, as is the case for some individuals who've been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and Mm -hmm. they've pursued medicines that didn't work, they've pursued surgeries that didn't work, they've pursued other kinds of programs that didn't work, it sounds like your possibility is perhaps there's another way to look at their situation. There's another solution that they probably had not even considered.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's not unusual, and I mean, I I, I hate to say this because I I am so disheartened uh, for people that are suffering. We've had people that have spent a million dollars, a million dollars on therapies that have not worked, and then they come to us and they 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 you know uh, do the program and they commit themselves to their the the rehabilitation process, and they recover. And you know it saddens me. it saddens me that the medical system doesn 't have this answer, and we 're trying to change we 're trying to do everything that we can to change that because the way that I measure success in the program is how long have people been sick, and how long did it take them to find out about us? So it's not uncommon for us to find, to be treating people that have been uh, sick for 20, 30 years or more uh, to recover. Because when you look at this from a brain perspective and you actually treat a brain impairment with a brain approach, uh, the symptoms can actually change quite rapidly. So um, I'm not sure if that answered your question, honestly. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It does. (laughs) Well, there's this idea out there in the Parkinson's community that I hear quite often from members of my audience, and that is, well, it took me, uh, I think, a long time to develop these neurological challenges. We're talking 20, maybe 30 years, so, you know, it's going to probably take about that long to reverse them. What you're saying is a a very different kind of a perspective. That's much more optimistic.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't think it takes that long at all. I've seen people recover totally from... uh, You know, I I had a young woman in the program who had postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is uh, an autonomic nervous system dysfunction-related condition where uh, you have. um, uh, When she stood up, her her blood pressure would plummet and her heartbeat would skyrocket. So the combination of those two things would leave her completely immobile and passed out. So she could no longer sit up straight or or walk. So she was in a wheelchair. And um, she started the program. Uh, She had a lot of other things too, like chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and chemical sensitivities and food sensitivities. And she'd been to the Mayo Clinic. And, you know, it's really interesting. She said, they were really great at diagnosing what I had, but they didn't have a lot in terms of treatment. So she started with the DVDs, and then she came to an in-person program. She was still in her wheelchair at that point. She went from being in a wheelchair to rollerblading in one month. (laughs) well <laughs> oh, that's fantastic and she and lauren lauren actually has her own website so if you want to look at her story, it's called wheelchair dot com could you spell that really slowly for people sh- in sh- sure so w h e e l as in larry t as in tom o r o l L E R B L A D E S dot com. So dot com. So again, that's wheelchair. Oh, sorry. I don't know if I spelt it properly. Sorry. Wheelchair to rollerblades dot com. Oh, so you can look look at. Yeah, look at Lauren's story. I mean, and, you know, we've had many people that have had mobility issues and uh, um, that that are now walking. I remember uh, reading on the community forum not long ago last week, there was a woman that, um, she's actually coming to the next program in Ontario. Um, I interviewed her for the program just a couple of weeks ago, and she said that uh, she's been wheelchair-bound for many, many years, and she just started walking again. So, She has been able to walk for a 15-minute duration so far, and she said she just wants to scream it from the rooftops that this is the answer. I remember talking to her. I said, "I know, I know. You know, I, I know the excitement that you feel because when you, when you actually can sense that your body is regenerating again with something that you've been suffering from for so long, and no one has had the answers, and yet you come across a treatment that actually that you are able to do yourself." That actually doesn't take, uh, it doesn't mean that you have to keep continuing go, to go to doctors, that you can actually self-implement and, um, and recover. It just, it feels like a miracle, but it's not a miracle when you understand neuroplasticity and when you understand what's happening in the brain and how to get out of that uh, chronic fight-or-flight response um, and how to rewire those mechanisms in the brain. But the actual results of doing that can seem really, really m- miraculous.
1: I know for a fact that some of you who are listening to this interview right now are at the point of trying to decide well maybe it's time that I'm going to have to go into a nursing home because I'm in a wheelchair if you need to listen to this discussion listen to this radio show once again and realize that what Annie Hopper is basically saying is once you get that rewired brain in action Miracles really do happen, and people really do get out of their wheelchairs. I've said many times on my programs that the people who are recovering are people who are taking charge of their own recovery. Clearly, this program is a program where you do just that. You are in control, no one else. So I must say, Annie Hopper, I am totally and thoroughly impressed by what you have designed and what you have created and the fact that you are obviously helping many thousands of people out there who have many, many different varied types of symptoms. So for the people that you have seen who have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in your courses and your classes, what would you want to say to them right now, somebody who has just been diagnosed?
0: I would say to somebody who's just been diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's that um, sometimes a diagnosis is a diagnosis and it's a, a label that the medical system needs to create in order to describe what's happening to the brain and body in that moment in time. However, I do not believe that that has to be a permanent state or is, does that, is it a death sentence or does, that, or does it mean that that's the way that you will be for the rest of your life? I think that we're just on the tip of the iceberg of understanding the brain and how the brain is involved in our in our health and how, and most importantly, how we can go in and self-direct changes in the brain that can lead us to optimal health. So I would say to anyone, do not ever, ever, ever lose hope for something better because there is something better. I truly believe that for everyone that, you know, I think that... Um, I know for myself, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. So there is so much information out there that, uh, and new therapies and new ways of dealing with things that I just hope that they hang on to that hope that they will find the path that will work for them because I've witnessed it time and time again uh, that I really have seen people, uh, you know, I've seen medical miracles. I witness them every day. So I would never give up hope and keep searching and keep looking and start to, yeah, really educate yourself about how you can be in the control seat of your own health again because uh, I think the answers are out there. It's just about finding them let's get down to the nuts and bolts Annie Hopper what does somebody need to do
1: right now in order to tap into your resources
0: right now I would suggest that the first thing that they would do is go to the website which is retrainingthebrain.com and look at look at the information look at what we offer look at the success stories um, see if this connects with you does this really connect with you, like a, a maladapted stress response? Could that be at the uh, at the crooks or at the center of what's happening for them? Um, And also, you know, order the DVD or sign up for the next in-person program. Uh, I think the next program that we have is in Ontario. We have a... Actually, I'm leaving tomorrow to teach a program in uh, California and then in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Both of those programs are sold out. I think the next program we have is in Ontario, so they can sign up. uh, They can register, send in the registration to sign up for that program. Um, And uh, if they can't get to an in-person program, then certainly buy the DVD program. Program. We have a money-back guarantee with the DVD program, so they have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain from, from doing the DVD. Oh,
1: my goodness. So you can get the DVD, start the program, and if you feel like it's not working, then you get a uh, full refund? Is that right?
0: Full refund. Full refund. Wow. We are so convinced that if you practice in the way that it's laid out, that you will have an improvement of, in your quality of life.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I, yeah, I also noticed when I looked at your uh, in-person programs that you have really a very eloquent design in that uh, a person signs up and as a part of their fee, the lodging is covered and their meals are covered. So a lot of the stress of making all this happen is, is, is taken out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've really screened places as much as we we possibly can. Uh, We have a long list of uh, requirements as a group. You know, we have a lot of people with sensitivities and a lot of people with different issues, right? So we want to make sure that we we, uh, have venues that can support the special needs of our clients. Um, Yeah. So we make sure that the food is great and that we don't have to worry about the food We make sure that the accommodations are fantastic for people that have sensitivity issues or people that don't. And, uh, Um, Also, when people um, register for the program, everyone has an interview to make sure that they're a really good candidate for the program. So, you know, A, that we can discuss their health condition as it relates to limbic system impairment and also look at what was the perfect storm for them, you know, what happened in their life that may have contributed to a limbic system impairment and, uh, you know, do we feel that that is a really good match for this program uh, to come to the in-person program. Of course, we don't do that with the DVD program because anybody can buy the DVD. But we always suggest, again, if you do buy the DVD, book at least one coaching session with a certified coach so that they can help you tailor-make the program to fit your individual needs.
1: What question should I have asked you during this time together that I haven't asked but should have?
0: Wow, that's a really interesting question. What (laughs) question should you have asked me that you didn't? Hmm, Let me think about that one for a second. You know what I found interesting? I'll I'll just say what's coming to mind. What I'm finding interesting is there's so much overlap in all of these conditions. And I think that that uh, the overlap has a lot to do with environmental uh, issues. So toxic overload, heavy metal toxicity, brain impairment. And I think that... um, I think the one thing that I haven't addressed yet is the impact that our environment is making on our daily, uh, on on our health. So, and what I mean by that is I'm not talking about outdoor air quality. I'm talking about your indoor air quality. So when we think about the environment, we're really, you know, a lot of times we're thinking about what's out there outside rather than what's inside our own home. So I believe that as we clean up our lives, um, that we can, Uh, help our brain work more functionally and our body more functionally. So, you know, a lot of people don't know that uh, the products that they might be using are neurotoxic and um, affecting brain health. So um, I don't know if I can actually say the names of products, but what I can say (laughs) is uh, stuff like deodorizers or um, sprays that you might spray around your house to eliminate smells or laundry detergents or fabric softeners or, um, you know, cleaning products that you might clean your home with, Uh, there are now really, really easy alternatives, like plant-based alternatives that you can buy that are really healthy uh, for your brain and body. So I would say, you know, look look at your own home. Look at the products that you're using. How can you uh, start to change your products in your in your home so that you're optimizing your brain health? Um, and we have some suggestions on our website. You know, there's a really great uh, um, organization called the Environmental Working Group. Uh, I think it's ewg.org. And they have a tremendous library of information about how you can change your products what products to buy what would be better for you so you know that's an element that i would absolutely talk about is um you know how the environment is actually and what we're doing in our day-to-day living is affecting our health and that was one of my learnings during the process of my my uh, my own recovery is uh, when i started to become sensitive to products i really looked at what was in those products and i thought oh well no wonder i'm reacting to them but you know so i did I did become more environmentally aware as a result of that, and I lived my life in a very environmentally aware way. But what I didn't know at the time was that I also had a brain injury <laughs> that was affecting my sensory perception, and so as much as I absolutely agree with living my life in an environmentally aware way. We also want to recognize if our brain is not functioning properly and how can we rewire the brain for optimal health. And that's the piece that we work on, is that rewiring the brain piece. But for sure, we have to really think of our environment as well. So that's the question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And a beautiful answer at that.
0: Thank you. Annie
1: Hopper, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and speaking for the thousands of listeners who will be eternally grateful for your creating this wonderful adventure dynamic neural retraining program that clearly has helped many people in the past and clearly will help many individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on the radio show today.
0: Thank you so much, Robert. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. And that's what's happening here on, you guessed it, the shores
1: of the Puget Sound. Our next radio show is going to be an interview with a person that many of you know personally and certainly know something about, Dr. John Coleman, naturopath doctor from Australia, who in my knowledge is one of the first individuals in the mid-1990s to actually reverse the symptoms that he was experiencing associated with the diagnosis of parkinson's disease so i'm looking forward to that interview i've actually seen the questions that i'm going to be asking john and they are quite fascinating i must say so look out for that particular show to be aired the first part of october And Here we are on the shores of the Puget Sound where, as you well know, all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are connected in and listening to this radio show today from Parkinson's Recovery, that you indeed are on the road to recovery. I'm Robert Rogers, founder of Parkinson's Recovery. Thanks for joining us today.